0: Welcome to True 30 with Joey Dumont, a podcast that debates our society's most politically compelling topics through the lens of slow journalism. Each show is investigated with a focus on narrative as well as discovery. We believe that the complexity of our culture today cannot be crammed into six-minute television segments or snippets and memes on social media, where ideology and entertainment has overtaken the creed of historical reporting. On the program, you'll hear the opinions of subject matter experts to help you separate the signal from the noise. Our collective goal is to better understand one another, not win a battle. After watching, you'll be reminded that a proper debate is not about victory, but that of inquiry, education, and viewpoint diversity. So tune in and talk amongst yourselves. You may even learn a thing or two. Today on True 30, my guest is a former friend and colleague, B. Davis. We hadn't seen each other for almost 17 years. But when I saw her announcement on Facebook that she was now identifying as trans, she formerly identified as male, I immediately reached out and asked her to join me on the program. During our chat, we discussed some of the most controversial aspects of trans ideology and gender dysphoria. We talked about Dee's divorce, the severe mental trauma that followed, her attempted suicide, and her eventual healing. We then discussed the hotly debated topic of children on puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones, trans females competing against natal females in competitive sports, and why the historic meaning of gender has meaning and purpose, and how best to explore the idea of gender fluidity as a collective culture. B and I didn't agree on everything, but we thoroughly enjoyed each other's time, and both felt lucky to be back in touch. I hope you learned as much as I did, and we welcome any and all questions on our Substack page. Cheers. Now that's so our legal well. warning, my friend. We are on we are on camera. Now. I just want to make sure because you look fabulous, and I was hoping you would dress up. <laughs> you yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> that's so great you do i mean seriously look amazing oh, i saw you. you on i saw you on facebook obviously and uh i wasn't sure who you were so <laughs> because i haven't you know we haven't i guess to catch up my listeners we have not hung out since 20 2006 that's yeah. when we worked together at quest Quite
1: why it's like what yeah uh, yeah
0: 15, well, even longer
1: than probably longer than that. Probably maybe even 2005.
0: Okay, because I didn't. I think we brought you in on the Verizon business to help us out. Right. So, right. okay. yep. so that was 2005 when we closed that. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. So, yes, thank
1: you. Um, Wait, this, are we live? Yes. Or is this live? Are you recording this? Going to edit it? Or what's going we're on? We're
0: recording it. And we're going to edit. So anything you want to like edit out, you know, if okay. you say something, you got the five minute fuck up rule. <laughs> just let me know. We're all good. <laughs> But the what I wanted to do was just capture everything because we haven't caught up for 16 years, and so when I saw you on Facebook, I saw B Davis, and I was like, I don't recognize this person because I recognized your face, but then I, the makeup and the beautiful Gucci stuff, and I was like, yeah, and you know I love Gucci, so <laughs> I was like, I love this. So, but then I looked at like all of our mutual friends, and yeah. I was like, oh my god, okay. I know, I know this person. So that's kind of where it all took place for me as far as, oh, and then I looked up and then I started looking at your feed and I started, you know, kind of going all the way back. And that may be a good place for us to dive in because it's been one of those things where I wanted to, I did a little bit of homework on you because I hadn't seen you for so long. And I looked up all your old Axios 88 stuff and all the great work you guys were doing as a full stack developer, kudos on that. Thank you. And I went to Crunchbase, and I saw all of your accolades there. And by the way, you're still identifying as male as a gender, <laughs> so I want to bring that to your attention. On Crunchbase, yes. So I just oh, yeah. to make sure you know that, so you can ready that at any point. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I guess my question would be: When did this all happen? When did you find yourself, and when did you start expressing yourself at this level?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for um for inviting me. Um oh, you're welcome. As I said to you, this is it's all very new. but yeah. that way. Um so um, but I'll start back 2020, my mom passed away
0: and a crack. Sorry. Sorry to hear that. That's terrible.
1: And um, you know, uh I think that was a little bit of a wake up call because Our family is um, blessed with a lot of long life. My grandmother didn't die until she was almost 100 years old. And so I just had this embedded idea that mom would be around forever. And I'll take care of her and she would get old and she would complain about her body, this, that, or the other. (laughs) You know, then, you know, something would happen. Like my grandmother was gone, like she had a stroke. And then I think she was so stubborn. She waited for the priest to give her her final um, rights because my family's Catholic. And then um and then she then she decided that she was ready to die. Um so um for her. it was natural that I thought my mom, my mom was gonna be the same way. And then you know, this freak accident happened um literally a day before I was supposed to give my final um uh presentation
0: at Brown for my master's thesis. And um congrats on that, by the way, I did see that as well. So I know you went and uh Went to Brown and just completed that, so that's awesome and not shocking, knowing how smart you are. So, <laughs> thank
1: you. Um, so, so then I had to fly to um, another country because she had actually um, was in Trinidad, where my family's from, um, attending my aunt's wedding uh, because my aunt got remarried at sixty uh, and um, just you know found love like later in life. And, um, so she had made her wedding dress and all of this, and then, you know, she died in a car accident. So, um, I was just kind of like an absolute shock. She was everything for me. She was my protector, my teacher. Um, she operated as kind of like both, both parents in a lot of different ways. Um, she never had a relationship in her life. She focused all her energy on me. Um, I never had to deal with men coming and going out of our household, <clears throat> my dad was completely out of the picture. Um, I've only seen him like physically, like maybe three times in my whole entire life. Uh, and so when that happened, then I just really had to take stock of like what I was doing. Like this, this fact, this idea that I have my whole entire life to figure things out. And yeah. there were a lot of feelings that were suppressed since childhood, um, that I was dealing with, um, and it was really confusing because um, a lot of it didn't make sense because I didn't have the language to speak about it because in all of this, my sexuality hasn't changed. So some people in the community, in the LGBT community, were considering me straight um, because girl. I've never been with a man. I have no desire to be with men. Um, and I think that's a really good conversation to have because dressing like this doesn't mean that I want someone's penis. <laughs> I, I think that for a lot of women it also means the same thing they're not dressing in any certain way because they want men and some are but some but a lot of them aren't and um that's a really interesting conversation because the conversation that i had with my ex my now ex was you know whose attention are you trying to get and i'm like no one's i mean yours but you know but my own my own my own gaze is what i'm what i'm what I'm interested in, and to be able to mm-hmm. compare and say that you know I I love myself, and so um, in 2021 I came out to um, my then spouse and was like, hey, I need, and I hadn't told anyone, not even my closest friends. Decided that I really wanted to talk to her first and say, listen, my gender identity is something that I'm I'm interested in exploring. And then the first thing she asked me was, do you watch gay porn? <laughs> Oh, wow! Okay. I was like, I was like um, no, this is not a conversation about sexuality. I think you know where my sexuality stands. Um, I mean, from our you know interaction, yeah. um, but it just goes to show, like for me, how um, how very toxic. You've known for someone for twelve years, and you know, made love to them for twelve years. And this idea that if someone says to you, hey, listen, I want to talk to you about my gender identity, that the first thing that their mind goes to is sex. And I think that's the part that um, for me is almost like a personal mission. It's like to let people know, like, hey, listen, you can adorn yourself because I feel like there really is. um, um, uh, I mean, there's a history of people adorning themselves everything has to do with wigs and makeup and high heels and everything that you think is feminine was actually Mm -hmm. created and created for men by men. So for one year, we had a lot of counseling, a lot of kind of like ups and downs, um, a whole lot of, you know, crying therapy, you know, discussions, arguments about this. And, um, You know, it's also, you know, I don't dress like this every single day. You know, it's kind of like something where I where if I feel, I just give myself the freedom to do as much as I want to in any particular day. Some days I wake up and, you know, I have blue hair underneath this. And so I just like, you know, put a little concealer on and then I'm out the door. Um, (laughs) I don't wear a lot of dresses. Um, This is kind of like, you know, I don't, I usually don't wear a dress because I don't don't feel comfortable in a dress. I usually just wear pants. Uh, But it's something where I really felt like the box that I was in was overwhelming for me. And that kind of speaks to the fact that I don't have any really good male friends um, other than I can count on two fingers. I just don't connect with uh, male energy. Most of my friends are women, and I'm gonna think friends, I mean really good friends. Yeah, yeah. And more, more so these days, most of my friends are lesbian women. <laughs> um, it's just something where when I'm in a big group of um of of men, I just don't feel comfortable. Um I've gone to some bachelor parties and I just I'm I'm just kind of disgusted by the conversation. Um, it Perfect. doesn't connect with me at all. And I just feel out of place and I think that my gender identity is at play there as well so
0: well I think that's great and I'm proud of you and I'm happy for you because I can't imagine how hard that must be to live your whole life with that kind of tucked away and not being able to deal with it so I mean you're brave and I I I commend that I think that's cool some of the things I wanted to bring up to you specific to your posts and this is kind of where I was trying to do a little homework and our reporting, and, and, and I should probably preface it this way. As I mentioned briefly, True 30 is a journalistic organization that I started with some media buddies. Mm-hmm. And the hope is to report on things in the news media that are dividing our culture. Mm-hmm. So defund the police and critical race theory have been huge topics that we've driven, dove into over the last seven or eight months. And then gender ide- ideology and gender dysphoria is something we're focusing on now. And so as of right now I've interviewed a couple clinicians researchers in the UK, Australia. Uh, last week I actually interviewed Helen Joyce who wrote a book called Trans When Ideology Meets Reality and next week I'm interviewing Julie Bindel who wrote a book called Feminism for Women and I'm interviewing a friend well an acquaintance in the media industry whose child is going through transition currently and it was a biological boy who has been transitioning to a little girl and she's adorable. And he's shared pictures with me. And, and now the parents are kind of in this really unannual position of talking about puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones and all of that. And so when I saw you uh, talking about specifically gender and trans and that trans is here, bitches, let's talk about it. You know, that kind of thing. I was like, oh, okay, perfect. And so One of the things you posted on the 25th, and that's kind of what you mentioned, it was in June is when I wanted to notice the posts starting to identify who you are and your new expression was, a trans woman going outside and living her truth unapologetically, knowing the harm she can face simply for existing is a protest on its own. That was one thing you shared. Another was bisexuals in a committed and monogamous relationship have not chosen a side, they have chosen a person. And then I thought this one was really cute. It said, you've changed. And it said, you're supposed to. <laughs> another one there. Yeah. And then December 21st, you said, now, wow, now you have so many questions. Come see me on the 15th and get the real tea. <laughs> and so you're doing a drag queen show, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In so, Sacramento. I have to come and see. That. <laughs> what you
1: yes, yes, for sure. Okay, so drag was the first thing that allowed me to have permission to do what I wanted to do. It is so okay. It is so incredibly hard for a man to put this on and to go out into the public world. Oh yeah, Uh, I bet. It it takes a lot of guts, a lot of self-reflection. I mean, it is the scariest thing that I ever did in my whole entire life. And I think that um when st- i have a history of when st- stuff um scares the hell out of me then i go towards that thing um that's because, a good thing to do yeah i think i think because i know on the other side of that fear there's something amazing and so drag was one of those things where i'm like okay i'm going to look horrible i'm going to look like a boy in a wig and i'm just going to deal with it and i when I first, you know, got made up and I put a wig on and this kind of other stuff like that, I hated it. It looked terrible. People who were around me, it's like, oh, my God, you look gorgeous. I'm like, no, nope, I don't <laughs> like it. Um, I tried again. I was like, oh, you know, this this looks a little better. And then I'll, maybe like the third time, and I didn't, I would not go out in public like that. I would just like okay. basically in my office and then take it all off. Um, the third time I saw my mom and I cried. Because I connected with that, a very familiar feminine energy that was inside of me. Mm -hmm. And, um, I thought, I saw her face when she was young and I saw my daughter's face as well. And I was like, there she is. And people were like, there she is. And people saw the smile on my face and just like this light that came up out of, out of me. And I felt like a whole person. I felt like. I just felt like myself for, a, for once in my life. Um, and I still hadn't gone anywhere. Um, the first time that I went out in drag and going out in drag is different than going out like this, like this. I wouldn't consider drag because drag, drag is like pink hair and like crazy.
0: Really? Like yeah, really. and
1: Drag is like a costume. This yep. is just like a gender expression. Um, yep. The first time I went on drag, you know, the first thing that happened is like some guy, you know, just started like, you know, cat, cat calling me, and I felt so vulnerable. Like this idea of being these teetering little, you know, high heels and this little dress, and like, you know, like if like nails and I was like if shit goes down, I can't protect myself. Like, what am I gonna do? Um, it was just the most frightening experience in my whole entire life. And it took me a not while sorry. to get used to it because it just takes a while to get used to experiencing life as a woman. And because yeah. that's what's happening. And I think that even if it's, even if it's temporary, like there's shows like we're here. I'm not sure if you've heard of that show before. It's on HBO max, um, Bob, the drag queen, Shangela and, and Eureka. There are three drag queens that kind of go around uh, middle America, get people to get into drag as a way of transforming their, um, their uh their mind. Okay. Um men should do it. You should know what it feels like to walk in heels and like you're trying to like, you know, someone's trying to walk ahead of you and you're like, um, would you please slow down because of these heels? <laughs> you know, why are you taking so long to get ready? Well, because like I'm doing all this stuff. Like I think that um men, cisgender men, straight men would have a lot more compassion. Just one time, like getting yourself ready, um, uh, like women have to get themselves ready and going out and experiencing what it feels like to be looked at up and down and sideways and around, um, how it feels to be examined in that way, it will give you a whole new perspective.
0: Yeah, I would agree to that. I would say that a lot of the feminists that I've talked to would... Agree with everything you just said there. One of the big pieces, specific, and we can get into this later, but one of the ideas around feminism in general, and they actually came up with the word gender as a group in the 70s and 60s, 70s in that area. And it was to delineate the differences between males and females, specifically around that. So I, my brother asked me this 20 years ago. My brother's an advocate for women, he's a divorce attorney who deals with domestic violence and all the icky stuff. And he asked me a long time ago, have you ever been scared walking your car? And I said, what do you mean? Like, did someone key it? <laughs> <laughs> right. And he's like, I genuinely didn't understand the question. Right, right, And he said, no, have you been scared to be attacked? And I said, no, well, no, never. I mean, I've never thought of that. Yeah. And he's like, okay, so just understand this. All women are scared all the time when all they're them. alone. Wow. And I was like, wow. And so that helped. And to your point, I think it is a good thing to experience anything opposite because it does put you into a new camp. You have a different purview. You have more empathy. It's just one of those things that I think is fantastic. So yeah. when when you actually started, and I don't know if you want to talk about this, you're, no, you're now, are you divorced? Separated. Separated. Okay. And is that something that is... Irreconcilable because of this, or is that something that you think you can actually gel back together with time? I mean, and I mean therapy.
1: the the plan The plan was was for us to be together. Um, I think that the way that everything happened, I, I don't think it's reconcilable now. I mean, um, okay, she was. Uh, she told me that she was a supporter of me and this transition. I and I told her in the beginning, I was like, "Listen, this is something that you don't have to accept. Like, we can definitely." Sure like split as friends and um, if you don't want to be a part of this and all of that. And she said, no, 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 you know I love you. And, you know, I'm here for you and that kind of thing. And what I realized in the end is that was a complete lie. So I think that there are couples that deal with this and they get through it. There are couples that deal with this and they don't get through it. And there's couples that deal with this and they have like a train wreck. And I think I thought to myself, like, I don't want to have the train wreck. But the person that I was dealing with was a, unfortunately a liar and a cheater. And at the end of the day, she ended up, you know, being, um, being a cheater as well. Um, okay. and, um, that was, that was, that was painful. Um, so painful actually, um, because, um, the one I did have surgery. So I had surgery on my face. A lot of people can't tell, um, uh, on my nose and on my hairline. And that was that I didn't have the facial, the the jaw realignment or anything like that, or any fillers done to my face. Um, but during my surgery is when she decided to go off with somebody else. And, um, I was on, and I only tell this part of it because I think it's really important. Yeah. Uh, I was on a lot of painkillers at the time because of the surgery. Uh, I was, uh, I was, uh, getting back onto to hormones because at the time i thought that i wanted to be on hormones just to see what it felt like um so
0: to be on estrogen like cross-sex hormones estrogen yeah
1: estrogen yeah. Yeah. okay so i gotten back onto hormones because you can't have them before your surgery you can only have them afterwards um and then um uh you know i had you know around-the-clock pain medicine and then also had my my cannabis gummies okay something to like so while all of this was happening this is when i began to find these text messages and so that sent me into a spiral of pain and anguish um and i say this because at this moment especially after the first surgery a lot of trans people um commit suicide yes um They feel regret of what just they just did. Um, They feel like, you know, maybe that they've made a mistake. If they don't have the proper support, then a lot of people will um, either attempt suicide or, you know, take their own lives. And I was one of those people. Um, You were suicidal. I know. I tried to kill myself. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I tried to kill myself. I, 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 I had overdosed or not kind of overdosed but taken a lot of cannabis gummies i had a, a psychotic I, this is after i had found out of you know what she did uh-huh. uh, and um I, I i sliced open my arm and i was i was going to bleed out on my bed and um oh, wow friend i had a friend called the police and the police came and got me and um You know it was it's been a long road to recovery and after that i didn't want to i didn't want to see a wig i didn't want to see in women's clothes i I was completely ashamed of myself and who i was and it took a lot it took a lot of friends um in the queer community it took a lot of um, therapy um but to slowly build myself back up to where i'm at right now which I can still say that because that was just in February.
0: Of this year? Of this year, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah,
0: so... Well, I'm sorry to hear that, friend, and it, well, how, so what took place? Your friend called the police, and did they take you into the hospital, and then from what, what took place after that?
1: So, the they called the police, the police came in, they took me to the hospital, I spent 72 hours I spent 31 hours in the hallway of an emergency room on a bed, like literally. Um they took me from there to um a psychiatric facility where I spent more time just basically it was I was basically like locked up. There was no counseling. You know, they would wake me up in the middle of the night, shove pills down my throat. It was like worse than anything you'd seen on TV, like honestly.
0: Ugh, yeah I'm sorry that makes it worse. And so <laughs> <laughs> at that point, you're now in psychiatric care. Right. Like, it doesn't sound like they cared in this case.
1: No, not at and, all. Worst place for anyone to be. Like I don't care what your mental state is; it makes it worse.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. And did you? When were you released from the psychiatric care?
1: So they can only hold you for seventy-two hours. So, um,
0: I so have. Is that like a a fifty-one-fifty kind of thing where they're 50, yeah yeah scared that you're going to take your own life? Got it. Okay. So I
1: quickly got my sense of, right sense of mind. It's like, I need to get out of here and I need to get my head back in the game so that I can show them that I'm ready to get out because I need to get real help, not help inside here. And, um, you know, my um, um, I have three kids, but uh, two of my sons um, flew in from different parts of the country, one from LA, one from Michigan, and they were there for me. Um, to you know, be there with me. And, um, you know, from the beginning, when I announced this to my kids, my family, um, my whole entire family has been completely supportive. And this is a Catholic, West Indian, Caribbean family, usually known for being very, very like, you know, traditional, this kind of thing. They all embrace me. They all call me B. Um, they don't call me Brian. Okay. Um, I mean, not that it really matters to me. Actually, I'm gender fluid. So, you okay. know, what are your pronouns? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, actually, I'm actually the rare exception that I use all the pronouns. So don't yeah. judge, don't judge which the whole pronoun thing on me because I'm, I'm a rare Pokemon. I don't, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, I'm, I'm not only queer, but I'm also only attracted to women. So, and I'm also gender fluid. So. You know, I represent kind of like a divergence even in my own community. Um, So anyway, um, after, you know, getting out of the hospital and all of that, then it was really about just kind of like trying to figure out what was going on with my relationship, which I realized, Mm -hmm. that you know, in a lot of different ways it was completely over. And that was a hard pill to swallow because now... um, my worst nightmare has come true, is that I've lost the person that I really, really loved because of expressing who I am. And that was very, very painful, Because when you know, because what you internalize is that it's your fault. And then what I had to relearn is that it was always okay for me to be myself. And the fact that, you know, all the lying that she did, um, that that was something that's her problem. Mm-hmm. and then you know my whole fear was that no one's gonna think i'm attractive and i'm gonna be by myself for the rest of my life and um i really need companionship it's so what am i gonna do now and all of that and i was completely wrong there are tons of really hot women that think that i'm attractive <laughs>
0: <laughs> well
1: that's great and <laughs> i didn't how... know you know I, I had no idea i was like i was like, I was like I don't... men want men want women and women want men and Women who like women want women. Who's going to want, you know, this? You know, apparently there are some
0: people. Well, that's one thing. Again, I've only been studying this for about five or six months. The one thing I do know from my own homework, however, is that there are so many examples of what you're talking about. Specific to gender neutral love relationships. They have nothing to do with each other. Have you seen the show Euphoria? Yeah, I've,
1: yeah, I've seen, I've seen, I've been seeing the whole thing, but I, I watched a few episodes. And it's really beautiful. I love Zendaya.
0: It is, and I'll say this if, to anyone who hasn't watched it: it's a show on Netflix, and it's about teenagers in high school. And my wife and I started watching it, and the the, the relationship that actually taught me a ton, by the way, was between Jewel and what's her name? It's Zendaya's character. I can't remember her name now, but. It's it's a female. Zendaya is the female. Rule Jewel Rule. Right, I can't remember her name. So (laughs) Jewel Jewel is a transsexual or transgender in real life, who started on puberty blockers and/or cross-sex hormones at the age of fourteen. She's adorable and wonderful. And in the movie, she is also a teenage trans female. And so she has a relationship, a friendship with this girl, her friend. They become really good friends. And during the first six or seven episodes, they actually began a romantic relationship. Mm. And as I saw them kissing and being intimate with one another, I looked at my wife and I said, Oh my God, I get it. (laughs) I I said, They don't care about the parts. They don't care about the gender. They don't care about anything. They just love each other. And I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. And that was the first time it clicked for me. You know, right. as a fifty-five-year-old white male, <laughs> I was like, all right. So, okay, I get. It.
1: Once you see the examples of 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 just genuine love between people, yeah. and I, I don't care if you, you know. For me, was um, when I saw, you know, uh, a lesbian couple. When you know, you know, back back years and years ago, then. Then you get it, and you wit- when you witness it, kind of like in like what feels like close proximity. Even if it's a TV show, then you then you understand that it's, it's about just two people loving one another. And yeah. I look forward to the day actually where gender is not even a thing, like where people don't have to label themselves anything. You know, you can just be anything you want. To, you're a person, and um, if you want to adorn yourself with you know, wigs and makeup or whatever, then you do it. It doesn't mean anything particular about your sexuality, about your intelligence, about who you love, about about the way your voice should sound when it sounds like. One thing that I refuse to do is to change my voice. My voice is my voice. I'm not going to start changing my voice because I have a very deep kind of like raspy voice. And, you know... I thought for a second that, you know, you know, if I'm going to transition, what about my voice? But women love my voice. You know, I didn't know that either. So I'm not going to change anything that I don't want to change. The things that I do want to change, I will change. And that's it. And I think Are that's you still
0: fine for everyone, really. I'm sorry to interrupt. Are you still on female hormones? Oh, no. No, I stopped that. I stopped no, that. Stop I, that.
1: I, I think that that was... Um, Me wanting to do that was kind of like an experimentation, um, really having to do with some of the toxic relationship, toxic communication between me and my ex, where um, I think it's hard to say, but I think that part of her plan was to try to get me to transition as far as possible as to female as possible so that she could have a justification because really, you know, other than the hair and the makeup and a nose job, then I'm still me. I'm not gonna have a Brazilian butt lift. I'm not going to get titties. (laughs) Um, um, I could show up as a boy anytime I wanted to. Uh, I could show up like this anytime I wanted to. And I think that that's obviously uh, in some, in this case, I think for her, it's a little intimidating. And also, I draw attention. So if I go anywhere, people are going to be like, you know, like this. And people will be like like that. Some people will be like, oh, my God. You know, um, and there are certain people that just don't want that type of attention. And I get that.
0: Um, Yeah, and and that's good for you. I think that's, that's, you know, an evolved way to look at it. I think that the next relationship you have that is open and honest, and this is all up in front, that's a very different thing. And I don't, I don't want to, you know, not judging different. your ex. I just know that that would be difficult for a, a lot of relationships. Anyone. For anyone. I think that, was, yeah. I,
1: think that yeah. I think that the main problem for me is not with that part of it. It's just with the honesty. And I think sure. that part is maybe also just a lesson of, you know, uh, of, of life. And, uh, yep. it, I mean, I can imagine, you know, it, it was also hard for her to see say mm-hmm. but she really felt because then she was also losing her because then she's like okay yeah we'll go fine <laughs> you know you know because she's also losing a person that she hopefully loves a whole lot I think that in the end at the end of the day just the way that everything went down at the very very end I think that she probably could have saved us both a lot of heartache um um and in those very last days of you know the cheating and all the other stuff like that that didn't have to happen I mean, even though a breakup probably was still have been, you know, um, imminent, um, that it didn't have to be that way, um, because that made me feel very um, betrayed, unloved, uh, unattractive, sure. um, like the small, you know, uh, I don't, you know, people out there who have been cheated on, you know, all the emotions that, that come with that. So, um, but
0: yeah, let's understand. And I think that part of. And again, I don't know her from anyone, and I just know that some of the stuff I've read is that spouses in general do not know how to react to this because it is completely foreign. Right. And I, because she loves you, she was probably concerned if she didn't say what she thought she should say, right. it right. Cu- it could cause you to do what you did. Actually, that right. there's suicidal ideation involved, and that scared her, and right. Mm-hmm. So then she just acted out because that's what people do, and unfortunately, she acted out in ways that hurt you worse. And I obviously she probably regrets that too. So right, yeah, I'm right. sorry. I'm sorry, friend. That's, that's all rough. Let me ask you this. Yeah. We'll identify as trans. And when I historically started, understood the word trans, it was, I knew a transsexual man 15 years ago, 16 years ago, who went through the whole surgery. Mm-hmm. So what they're called autogonophilia. This was a man who actually believed he was born in the wrong body and he mm-hmm. represented himself as female. And went through the surgeries and was on cross-sex hormones, and so that was like traditional. My again, I shouldn't say it's what was my traditional understanding of what trans was. Mm -hmm. Trans itself is a much bigger word today, correct? It's when you say you're trans, you're not. You're and and this is another thing too. I have a lot of friends that are into drag queen. They're all gay, Mm -hmm. and they all live here in San Francisco. And they they go to really cool. You know, I I go to their stuff. I have one of my buddies in New York, Michael Salat, is a wonderful. Uh, drag performer. And that I understand to be performance. And that I understand has nothing to do with sexuality. That's just uh, expression. So where do you, what does trans mean to you? What does that word mean to you? And then how does it apply to you specifically?
1: Yeah. So transgender specifically means someone that crosses over gender. You have to, excuse me, I'm going to be really gay right now. I'm going to use my thing. I'm the like inside here. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, so trans trans means someone who crosses gender, okay? Okay. So if you think of gender as these little, these little um, I call them little prisons that we put ourselves in, these little blocks that we put ourselves in, okay? Where male, female, this, that, or the other, then a trans person is going to cross over from where they've been categorized, whether it's been, you know, because of their biology or whatever reason, into another gender, okay? So, exactly. so there are trans people who, who have the desire to cross over from one little box, okay, male, right. for example, and yeah. to be passable in the other little box. So literally, want you to know that they're trans, they're going to, they're going because of their personal choice or their dysphoria or whatever their reasons are, which are all valid, by the way. They're going to um, get rid of their facial hair. They're going to take hormones. They're going to mm-hmm. you know, transform their bodies um, with surgery or whatever it is, so that that you don't even know that, that if, you walk, if you walk down the street, you have no idea. Um, and that makes them feel happy and fulfilled inside their voice, everything. Okay. Yep. Then there are trans people um, like me who really um, probably are more on the, are the subcategory non-binary. Like I don't want to be put in the binary binary being male, female. Okay. So I don't, I refuse to shave my beard. Okay. Um, I'll let it grow a little bit longer than this, but I'll kind of shave it down. I don't want to shave it all the way off because I don't like the way it makes my face look. Okay. But I still like to put my wigs on and my makeup and all other stuff like that. So people are obviously going to know that I'm not a woman. Okay. A cisgender woman, but that doesn't bother me. And trans, my trans community accepts me and says, okay, you're my sister. So Mm -hmm. I don't separate myself from them because I know there are other people who say, well, I'm not trans. I'm non-binary. That's your choice. But I identify with my trans sisters, um, whether they're male or female, whatever variation. So I would say it's my belief that trans encompasses, is an umbrella for a lot of different expressions. Put it that way.
0: Okay. And so it doesn't delineate from non-binary in your, in your categorization then
1: not for me no there right. are non-binary people who will be like i'm not trans i'm non-binary
0: which and, just means i don't want to identify as either gender right or any gender
1: doesn't want doesn't want to have any gender associated with them but also doesn't want to but all but maybe also doesn't want to have the, the the um the label trans put on them as well um, because right. trans definitely comes with a lot of stuff as you said you know, before you had a friend and, you know, we had, you know, terms like transsexual and transvestites and all these other things, right. you know. A That's
0: another of... question, though. So transvestite was what I would have understood where you are today because you are heterosexual, but enjoy wearing or an expressing yourself yeah, with different cross-bred. clothes. Is that is a transvestite not a term that you subscribe to? Or? I don't like that
1: term, actually. Okay, yeah.
0: Is it yeah. have a pejorative meaning to it in the community? I think it. I think it
1: definitely has. I think it. It, it feels like colored, or Negro. Okay. It feels kind of a little bit outdated and it has a lot of uh, baggage to it.
0: Okay, you know? that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. It, okay, that's fair. Okay, that's that's cool. So what is Is there, and this is the thing too, is the big discussion specifically on the right? And I don't mean like crazy, mean-spirited people. I just mean people in general who are trying to figure out what gender means. Mm -hmm. So historically, as I mentioned earlier, the feminist literature that I've studied and some of the feminists that I've interviewed, they delineated it for specific reasons. One of which was female-only spaces. So rape clinics, domestic violence, female prisons. They wanted to make sure that they had that space because of the patriarchy in general being the biggest fear for a lot of these women, specifically in those spaces. How does how does how do you square that? How do you look at that as a trans person who obviously has evolved into this, this position and this expression? What does that look like for you? What is that? Is there rules there that don't make sense? So a trans female is an example attending one of these. Female-only counseling sessions. How would you see that? So
1: the way that I look at this is, I look at this through the lens of what happened to me when, when the first time, the first time that I went out dressed like this, and I was actually in more femme than what you see right here. It was like a, a long pink wig, and it was like a little mini dress, and it's like I, I was, I was laid to the gods. Okay, um, <laughs> and. In Sacramento, there's this little um, area we call the Lavender District, where it's like like a couple of gay clubs over there. But then, it's like not even a full block, right? Because um, across the street, then there's a restaurant called Lowbrow that um, is not, you know, um, you know, part of it. I would say, mm-hmm. um, and I can tell because when you go inside, um, you know, Badlands and Faces and Depot. Usually when you go to the bathroom, then the bathroom is all gender, okay? Exactly. There's not a sign on the door that says, you know, male, female, because that doesn't make any sense in our community. Right. Uh, because we're not categorizing ourselves like that. Correct. When the lowbrow, however, you still have male, female. And so, what is lowbrow? Lowbrow. Is it yeah, it's a restaurant and a bar kind of, you know, mixed together, right? So I need to go to the bathroom. I was at lowbrow. I'm dressed like this. I walk up to the bathroom. And I'm like, what bathroom do I go in? If I go into the men's bathroom, they're going to look at me crazy. If I go into the women's bathroom, they're going to look at me crazy. I turned around and didn't go to the bathroom. Now, what is, what is the admission ticket to get into the women's bathroom? The admission ticket is not what you have in between your legs because no one's going to check that. The admission ticket is how feminine are you? Yeah. Okay. So, can if you, you pass? Can, if you can pass being feminine, no one's going to ask you any questions. If you can't pass, yeah. then they won't. Okay. How does that feel for a lesbian woman who's dressed in, you know, mm-hmm. very masculine way, or she's, you know, she's dressed or very you know, butch. You know, yeah. very, very butch. I know a lot of lesbian friends that get questioned in the women's bathroom, and they're not trans. They're just women. Right. 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 So I think this discussion about about who gets to go to what thing based on female-only, male-only is a very complicated discussion. Um, yeah. But it it, and it affects every single thing that we do, including going to the bathroom. I think that um, I don't have the answer to it um, to say, okay, well, you know, it should be this way it should be that way. I yeah. think that um, if you have a really specific, you know, environment or community that you want to create for a very specific group of people, like trans people or cisgender white women or cisgender black women or whoever, then create that space for them. Um, right. However, if you create a space for women and you're not, it's not supposed to be specific to any type of woman or expression of woman womanhood, then you should right. expect people to show up from all spectrums of womanhood including trans people, including people who are lesbian, including people who are non-binary, who may appear to be women, because if you appear to be a woman, there's some man that's going to come at you. Yeah. I don't get that a lot, because when I put my heels on, I'm probably like almost like six, eight, six, nine. There's not a lot of <laughs> men that will step to me. <laughs> They they I'm uh, they would have to step to me like this. Okay. Yes. So I don't get a lot of that attention. I get more attention from women that think that I'm gorgeous, but I'm it's because I'm so big. And once they hear my voice, right. the, the men definitely like my drag sister who's like this, she gets hit on all the time because she's attract and she's she's a gay man. Um, so she's attracting that energy. But right. it all depends on you know how you show up on the world, how people are reacting to you. You know, and, um, you know, for my brown trans sisters that are really tiny um, and pass and they're gorgeous, you know, those are the ones that get murdered because they they are smaller than a lot of the men that they're encountering. And mm-hmm. the men that encounter them sometimes fetishize them and want to have sex with them, but they, they don't want anyone to know. And so they kill them which is a horrific thing to think about yeah that is <clears throat> that is there's been so many black trans women's bodies that have been found in dumpsters over the years and it's because w- we are fetishized and then but then after that then then we're disposable i guess but you know right so um i also don't have the experience of being poor <laughs> you know i'm ai am ai am a i'm a, I'm a relatively wealthy software engineer who doesn't you know who has healthcare and is as i said six three without the heels but then after that then you know i have a a presence so a lot of the things that's why i also need to be a voice for my community because there's a lot of women trans brown women that don't have the um the privilege that i have of being who i am so i have to speak out that's one of the reasons I'm really happy that you
0: invited me. Well, no, and that's actually one of the reasons I genuinely want to understand this, and I I think you know me well enough to know. I mean, we obviously, we've hung out for many years, but I I have compassion and empathy for anyone mm-hmm. that is dealing with any of these issues specific to trans, uh, and the discussions that I that I see specifically in the zeitgeist, the "Don't Say Gay" bill. We actually just did. We had reporters do an article on that. And we pointed out the lunacy of both parties and acting like neither had a case, right? So it's one of those things where when you look at trans people in general, the big discussion right now is children. Children, yeah. So I'd like I would like to get your take on this because for me, you're a trans person who is a grown adult, has gone through puberty. So everything's healthy. Mm -hmm. you know, your sperm developed the way they needed to, you could reproduce, you could do all these things. And then what we do understand from clinical research is that a lot of the dysphoria clinically, historically is solved through puberty. Mm -hmm. And so let's say it's the stats go anywhere from 70 to 80%, where if someone is feeling gender dysphoric as a teenager or even younger now, that a lot of that is resolved through puberty because of the brain chemistry that is altered during puberty. Now, again, these are just studies. I don't know enough to be adamant about any of this. So the adult trans stuff to me is pretty easy. <laughs> it's like, let's get trans rights for trans people to make sure that they're not abused, that they're not harmed, that they have the same rights that, that they deserve as a human. All of those things are great. The stuff that I'm hearing from specifically feminist literature, second wave feminists, and for those who don't know second wave feminists, these are the suffragists of the 70s and 80s who did everything they could to lobby for the delineation between female and male, specific to legislation, rights, equal pay, uh, you know, abortion, all of those big structures that we now have in place. And a lot of the trans ideology today, trans women are women is a slogan as an example is one that a lot of the feminists push back on right right? yeah
1: so i'm very familiar with them
0: (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure you are and so that to me those are the big questions and i've kind of diverged there let's go back to the kids for a sec yeah how do you see because i think you've mentioned this twice now which is this is also mentioned in all the literature is the suicide ideation of trans people trans children uh being dead named, being shamed, being abused, it, it leads to depression and anxiety and obviously suicidal right. um, tendencies. What do you think, how, how best do we approach a child, a seven or eight year old who is now coming out and saying, mommy, daddy, I feel like, I'm
1: right. right. right, Yeah. I
0: feel other when I wear, it doesn't matter which side I feel other. How right. do you, what do you think needs to be shared from your perspective and from the trans community to, to let's just say, uh, people in that don't know this or haven't had any time to understand this?
1: Right, right. So the first thing is so I want to take a step back sure. and, and and delineate between issues that are a part of a movement or a, a discussion in the public space versus what's going on in people's actual factual lives. Okay.
0: That'd be great. <laughs> like that'd be
1: great. When when things are going on in the public sphere and you have like laws that are being passed or you know someone's protesting something and hashtag this and hashtag that and you know people are marching the streets and you know things are going down in the public sphere, that is that is part of a movement. Okay. And yeah. I'm not discounting it at all. I'm not trying to minimize it. It's needed, obviously, because those movements um, are what um, end up unlocking people having the ability to live their personal lives in the way that they wish. Um, a good example of that is the 14th Amendment, okay? And the 14th Amendment is is such, the should be the only argument for Black Lives Matter that you ever need, because it was literally created to free slaves but then after that, if you look at the history of the amendment, it ended up freeing so many other people. And so that's what Black Lives Matter is supposed to be saying and should be saying right now is that when our lives matter and the freedom and um, that we are afforded actually matters in the public sphere, We've it's been proven through our history that everyone else gets free. Um, with the 14th Amendment being the most compelling argument for that, for queer rights, for gay rights, for women's rights, for even for people who are handicapped, like the 14th Amendment all day. Okay. So, okay. but now when we're thinking about like people's individual experience of being trans, being brown, what, whatever it is in this world, then I can only go back to my own personal experience. And so for that, you know, I raised four kids' and raising four they're not kids anymore I've a I have a I have a 26 year old a, a 23 year old a 22 year old that's about to be 23 um in a couple of days and uh and um, a 15 year old that's about to be 16. um I can only think about what I would do for them um and it would be a series of it wouldn't be just like okay here's what I would do I'd have it you know written down these steps and I can pass it off to you. But I would have to really see what's going on with my kid and really understand, like, why are they saying this? How is it being said? You know, um, you know what? what is their health like? You know, what? how is it going to impact our family in this moment if they start, you know, taking hormones or any of these things? I mean, the thing, th- this idea of like, trying on different clothes and expressing themselves in different ways. That to me is like a no-brainer, like yes, all day. Like try on yeah. all the heels you want, all the dresses you want, play with like any toy that you want. If I truly believe fabric does not have a gender attached to it by itself. We do that. Okay. So yep. all day, like play with any toy you want to, express yourself any way you want to all day. The 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 hormones and the medical procedures, that I would take some time to like really think through through thoroughly for my child and that to me is the right of any parent or family to think through that for their child um there shouldn't be any law restricting them to think through that for their child unless they're in some way endangering the child's life which i i don't think that um i don't think that it 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 would unless it's some extreme case. I don't know enough about the science there to understand if it would endanger the right. child's life. Now, is the decision that the child is able to make? Um, that depends on the child. There are some children that are freaking incredibly, you know, tuned in. They're like what they call these, you know, these old souls. They just they know what they want, and they are going to tell you exactly. And they're very articulate. I've met these children before. They're just you know, they're, they're on it. <laughs> and there's other children yeah. that, you know, are not. And it just, it just depends, honestly. I don't know. It's not yeah, really, and, I, I don't know.
0: No, it's a great, I mean, because that's, I think, I like the answer because it's, it's nuanced, and it, it depends on every individual situation. And I think a lot of the macro discussions have to do with, does the government have any right to say anything about what a parent does? And if a parent goes to a clinic like the Genesis Clinic in Dallas, Texas, as an example, and they want to bring their child to that clinic where they want to start with that child on cross-sex hormones or puberty blockers or any of that, that's up to the parent and that's up to the child. Right, right. And so that's really the big discussion. And I, I referenced that because I listened to the Daily this morning, hmm. and coincidentally, they were talking about this is trans discussions part one, and they talked about this young family. Her name was Holly and she was a lesbian who was married uh, Well, they got divorced, but her twin daughters, one of them decided to, she was trans and they couldn't figure out why she was so depressed for years. Mm. She'd go lock herself up at her bedroom and she would cry all the time and, and she didn't know what was going on. And finally they took her to Genesis, this, this clinic in Dallas, Texas. And they sat her down, a, a clinical psychologist talked to her for three or four hours and said, or him, excuse me, he, he, she goes by him now. Mm-hmm. And he explained everything that he felt and that he wanted to be, he was always a tomboy. So, but he was like, I'm, I am, this is how I identify. I am he, him, and I want to be this. And I, I didn't really understand this until I recently went online and found out that there's other people like me. And I felt less alone for the first time in my life. And so Grayson is this child's name. And he is now on testosterone. Mm-hmm. And he is very, very happy. According to this, again, I just listened to it this morning. And his mom, who is lesbian, said that when she came out to her parents, and this was many years ago, because Holly, the mother, is 62 years old. And she said it wasn't well-received. That her parents were not happy about this, and it it made her feel worse, and so obviously she wanted to be very supportive to her child, and whatever makes her child happy, and she was very worried because the child was drawing very disturbing pictures, Mm. you know, one of which it called himself an imposter, and he didn't he didn't feel like he didn't know who he was, and now he does, he feels good about himself, and he's seventeen, I think he's almost eighteen, and he's already on med medication, and that was for me a really A compelling story for a lot of reasons, one of which it was someone who had 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 come out in her own right as a lesbian. So understood how difficult that is. And so embraced that with her child and loved him and immediately supported him and said, hey, we're going to figure this out. Much to what you said. Let's go talk. right? Let's find out what the options are. Let's you know, let's see how this all works out. And I don't know what's going to happen next with this young family, but it was it was a touching story. Tomorrow, they're actually talking about the GOP mandates across most red states that are attempting to outlaw these clinics and or penalize these parents for something they're calling child abuse, which is a very, very strong accusation. And my brother, who's an attorney, said that, you know, that's just bad faith in general. You can't say that because it's not accurate and we have no idea what it is. To your point, also, we don't know. um, We have no longitudinal studies on a lot of these things. So the the hormonal blockers, and I learned a little bit about this, so I'll share it with you, is that it's the drug of choice here in the United States is called Luprin. Mm. And it's historically used for something called precocious puberty, which is when a five-year-old, and most of the times it's female, where a little girl is starting to go through puberty at five or six, and she's starting to be sexual, and obviously that's a problem. So these hormonal blockers actually delay puberty in that child until 9 or 8 or 9 or 10 or whenever they actually remove the hormonal blockers. And there's not a lot of data on what those hormonal blockers do to bone density and things like that as far as your growth. So they don't know. What they do know is that they're very strong medications because they're also used for cancer and prostate and breast cancer for men and women. And that's what the FDA approval is about. So a lot of what you're seeing on the right is that these drugs, these these puberty blockers themselves, are deleterious to the long-term health of the children. Right. And then they have something they call a cascade of intervention, which means that if you start a child on this path, letting them identify as the other at as early as six or seven, right. that they will then almost 100 percent. It's like 90 some percent if they're on these. Puberty blockers and they're identifying as this other and they're very happy in that life. They're terrified of puberty either way, yeah. Yeah. right? Because once puberty happens, specifically male, as you know, as a, as a male, but biologically, you know that that in your voice and your body. And I mean, you're very strong and you're very fit and all of that. So that's something you know. Right. And so that's a big piece of the discussion is where does this intervention come in and, and should the government be involved? And, you know, that's government to me where we're fighting over all of these things when we don't really have any data and it's now just in motion and everyone's, you know, grabbing their tribe and saying, hey, I'm going to blah, 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 blah. And that's why we wanted to study this as an organization, True30 being the organization. We're just trying to figure out there has to be a much more empathetic and compassionate way to have these discussions. And we need to kind of just sit back and tuck our opinions away for a bit until we understand a little bit more and we can do some homework on these things. And that's why, to me, it's a fascinating piece because, to talk with you, because you are, as an adult, living your life the way you want to live it for the first time in your life. And you went through terrible mental trauma just recently because of it. And so that's a big piece of it, too, as far as the gender piece. is like, poof, you know, why so much? turmoil why so much judgment based on like you said fashion right i mean that's the biggest piece for you is that you want to express yourself differently it doesn't even have to do with your sex right Right. it just it doesn't so you know the next
1: it's 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 really it's really pretty well first of all i want to say that it's it's heartbreaking to know that all you know that there's so many families struggling with this and that there's people trying to step in and do you know, like get in their tribal corners and this kind of thing um in order to legislate what people can and can't do here's what i have to say about that is that obviously ooh, did my camera just go off yep <laughs>
0: okay hold on a second i
1: That's can't okay. really do this thing where it goes off sometimes
0: uh, uh, I don't know. It's you fancy. It's you fancy developers with your cool webcams. Uh, I'm just using my computer. <laughs> okay, we
1: try to bring it back. Is the battery okay? The battery's fine. Okay. I think it just times out. There after. you go. It's okay, that's okay. Um, so, rather than judge whether something should be done by the results that you anticipate that will be the end. I usually try to because that's kind of like, okay, well, you know, is this going to be a perfect situation for a child? Will the child be harmed? Um, in any in any way. Um, you know, what about this scenario, that scenario, this edge case, and that edge case? Um, yeah, the child is happy now, but what happens when they're, you know, you know, 14 and you know, so we're trying to like do this calculation of whether or not it's gonna be all good in the end to to make the judgment call of whether or not um, it's the right thing to do, and that's one way of going about it. And I'm not saying that it's completely invalid because we do that all the time. We judge things in order to analyze what the outcome is going to be, and so that we can make a ethical choice. Yeah, that's one way of looking at ethics. Is another way of looking at it is what's the intent? um Does the intent come come out of and rooted in? True love, like agape love, not like Eros or right. all, all these other things, but agape love, like the actual love for humankind. And I think for me, you know, as you said, you know, all of this came to me a lot older. The first time I experienced gender euphoria, because I experienced so much of the dysphoria, right, of not feeling right. the right expression, but the gender euphoria was the thing that made me feel, okay, this right here is good shit. (laughs) Right. I feel powerful. I feel seen. I feel beautiful. I feel like myself. Like that gender euphoria is more important to me than talking about the dysphoria. Because once we have that euphoria, I might be able to deal with a lot of dysphoria if I have a little piece of the euphoria. Because... You know, there's not much you can tell me when I put on my heels and like walk into a place. <laughs> it's like a whole different person, really. Honestly, right? And um, it it is just an experience I don't think a lot of people have because they're so trapped in the prison of who they're supposed to be. Even a lot of women who, you know, are competing with you know the Kardashians, um, or whoever mm-hmm. online to you know, look like a certain body image or whatever it is. And when they free themselves from that and they're able to experience the euphoria of being themselves, it is very, very freeing. So if you can do that for a child um, and whether, I mean, in my personal parental experience, if I would try to delay the drugs as much as possible, um, if they can get that from other things other than drugs, then that'd be great. Yeah. I would too. The only way, then, you know, that's for a parent to make a decision for their child, obviously. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I, yeah, and I agree with that. I, I would just say I have two little boys, uh, eight and 10, and they're, you know, both happy, healthy kids. And, and as of right now, <laughs> you know, they are boys, right? So I don't have, I don't have to worry about that discussion. So it's really easy for me to make a judgment. Yeah. But as the more I read, the more I think my compassion grows. And then as I read, Specifically, the the clinicians and the medical doctors that think this is wrong, you know, that's also very powerful to read because yeah. they're doing this. This are clinicians; these are people that went to t- school for twelve years, and and they're saying, "Hey, there's bone density problems, there's sterility issues, there's all these big things that take place, and no one's talking about it." And you know what? We got to figure this out. And I think that's really where, as a group, we do need to stop and pause and figure this out without the venom, you know. And then another thing that. It bleeds into this category, and I'm very adamant about this, so I'm curious to see how you think about it. Okay. I've done a lot of homework on it, and as a former athlete, I have huge issues with it. What do you think of trans females competing with natal females?
1: <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. I you have an I've opinion there? I've seen this all over my feed. Uh-huh. Like, over it's, everywhere. feed like, it's
0: everywhere.
1: It's everywhere. Okay. Here's – okay, so I was big into sports when I was, like, a kid, and then when I got into high school, I was like, I'm done with this because you guys – are a little too rough for me and I don't want to fight all the time and you, you guys are having yeah. fun fighting. This is where the, the break with the the male gender. Yep. Male, like I was like, okay, I, I want to play <laughs> soccer. Like, like yeah. you go fight. I'll be a arts and theater kid. How about that? Um, I My theory of it, and I haven't spent a lot of time thinking through it, is like, why not just make it based on height and weight? Honestly, like... Um, when I was in, I wrestled my freshman year in high school, which was a terrible idea. Um, because I'm so tall, right? And here I am, yeah. 150 pounds, you know, five nine, wrestling against some, you know, five two guy that's like this. <laughs> and he kicks my ass because yeah. you know, he's so strong, right? I'm just like this little yeah. bean pole of a kid, and um. I was like, yeah, well, I'm 150 pounds, but he's like, you know, you know, he's short. <laughs> so yeah. he's going to kick my ass. And so I think that my theory is that if you match people up with height and weight, then what's going to be the difference? Because obviously they're athletes. Maybe, maybe the muscle mass might be different. I don't know. But I, that's my theory is that, is that it shouldn't be gendered. Um, and maybe it's just height and weight maybe that will do it. What do you think?
0: Okay. Well, I, I again, I've done a lot of homework on this. And, and so here's some, here's some statistics that are relevant. So after male puberty, and this is the issue, I don't have any issues with the trans man competing in male sports at all. So if any female who's transitioned to male wants to compete, you're welcome. Knock yourself out. All good. If you've gone through male puberty, what takes place, and there's a great book, should you want to look at this, it's mm-hmm. called T, and it's the, the Hormone That Divides and Dominates Us, yeah, by Carol Hooven, and she's an evolutionary biologist at Harvard, mm-hmm. and her and other evolutionary biologists I've studied all agree on this. There's four major things that happen with, with natal testosterone, so when you're born and you are a small gamete, little boy, you have testosterone that flows through you in natal, You have testosterone that flows through you two months after birth, somewhere between 20 times that of a female. Puberty, same thing, 20 to 30 times as much testosterone that affects you. And what that does, and then you have one more little punch before your 21st birthday. And so what that does is that it actually affects the bone density, your fast twitch muscle. Men on average, these are on average, have 65% more muscle in their lower body. They have 95% more muscle in their upper body. They have larger lung capacity, larger heart, and they have more issues specific to um, sports, larger hands, larger feet, right? All of that. Your camera just changed. I don't know if you knew that. I know. But, the camera got It's hot. okay. It happened to it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's fine. So that oh. is the homework. That's the homework I've done. And again, I've done a lot more, but that's when that's this big issue with Leah Thomas, right? For University of Pennsylvania. She's the big swimmer who's done, um, she's won a couple different, uh, championships lately. And that's where the hoopla is. And again, the mean spirited stuff, I don't like, I don't like that someone makes fun of her and, and, you know, dead names her and makes her feel terrible about herself. That's not to me helpful in any way, but the issue specifically, and this is just a liberal lens, you know, I, I'm not sure where you lean on the political front, but I lean liberal and my liberal brother, and we look through things through two lenses usually, one just fair and harm. And so is it fair and is it causing harm? Right. And the idea there, specific to, to female sports, is that it does cause harm, specifically in collision sports. So there was a wonderful study of uh, Helen Joyce wrote about this in her book, and it dealt with the Australian Soccer Foundation, or uh, excuse me, Australian Rugby. And in rugby in the UK, the governance specific to doctors, clinicians, referees, they're all on the hook, financially and liable for injuries to the athletes. So they conducted a study, most of which was done by female clinicians and athletes. And they came to the conclusion that it's just not fair to have a trans female play rugby against natal females because the action the words they used was fold them like a deck chair so some of these one of the actual athletes at the time but i ask you is is the height and weight like out of line that's that's a good point because the person that they actually addressed was she was six two and 220 pounds right so she was so
1: the players were probably shorter and less weight
0: well yes and 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 that's the big part so i i agree with you on the It's possible, but the issue isn't just the height and the weight. It's how fast we are. It's how it's everything. Because I fought in martial arts for years. I don't know if you remember that. But the idea there was that we never fought against women. It was never a discussion. And I don't know if you watched UFC, but in UFC, they had a female named Fallon Fox who uh, was a trans female. And she came in and actually hurt her opponent to the point where she crushed. She broke her orbital eye socket. And the woman after the fight said, I've never felt that overpowered in my life. I've never been unable to remove myself from a hold. I've never been hit that hard. I don't know if it's because she found out that she was trans or not. But it, these are the kind of examples for me that there's two separate problems, right? I think that, as I already shared with the trans stuff to me, is not an issue. I think we need to support and legislate to make sure that trans people are protected and loved and cared for. And then on the other side of it, and this is where the culture gets involved, is trans females are, and then they get cruel and mean-spirited with the words. That's not what I'm trying to get to. I'm just trying to say there's got to be, and this is the point of, you know, why I'm having these discussions with people that I respect and and, right. and read about, is that I, we have to step back off of our soapboxes as a group and start to look at things that and understand where they sit, you know, and that. Those are the kind
1: of conversations like this. This is a nuanced thing. It's not a tribal. It shouldn't be a tribal thing. It's like, a yeah. We talk about height and weight and bone density and crushing people's skulls and collision sports versus non-collision sports. Like maybe there are some sports where height and weight work. Maybe there's some like the collision sports where we're, you know, we're actually hitting each other and bone density that plays a part. Like, you know, both, yeah. uh, both sides have to rethink really through these things and, you know... get. I
0: agree. Yeah. I agree. So let me ask you this, then, on the gender side, because I I think that gender has, in all the research I've done, and most of the people I've talked to outside of, like, you know, the zealots on one side, is that gender is fluid. I don't think a lot of people have an issue with that, right? It it's like... It they,
1: yeah, they, they're, it like, actually is, too. Research that. There are a lot in nature, gender is fluid. Yes. There's lots of animals that, especially the older ones, the ones that are more closer to their original versions of animals that existed, that changed their gender throughout their lifetime.
0: Okay, I'll have to research that. I, what, do you have any examples? Fish. Of, fish. Like the, oh. the clownfish? Yes, the clownfish well, I've read about.
1: A lot of I, I, different fish actually changed their okay. gender for the lifetime. Okay. There's a really good podcast on it um, by PBS. It's called um, Gonads. Sorry.
0: Gonads. No, that's good. I'll check it out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll send it to you afterwards. But right. it talks good. about how in a, a um, um, gender fluidity is very normal in nature. Okay.
0: Very yeah, normal. and I, I don't... So let me ask you this. So I was watching a really cool documentary about Rwanda and how after the genocide in 1984, they lost 800,000, mostly men, mm-hmm. from their country. And so the women had to step up. Mm-hmm. And they had to move into positions of you know, police and military and parliament and medicine and all of these pieces. And that, that country, because of this horrible disaster, is now the number one country in the world specific to females representing the mm. country. Mm. 61% of parliament is female. Wow. And they actually, they redrafted the constitution and in the constitution itself. And it actually uses words. It's called uh, the gender development program. And so they use the word gender to make sure that gender equality remains where it is within the country, because they're seeing that it works. Iceland is doing this as well. And so That's a question for you on the more of the functional side, because I agree with gender is fluid, but what about terminology? And what about categorization? Like, how do we, what does that look like? Because if they, in the constitution itself, says gender equality will be enforced based on parliament and parliament is using gender equality in the sense of the binary, Mm -hmm. right? The female and male. And so if that's the case, if the fluidity then, which again, I, I agree with you. And, and every young person I talk to specifically high school and college, they don't even consider gender an issue anymore. Right, most right. of them, they, most of them identify as bi- bi- non-binary right. and it has nothing to do with sex. They're just like, nah, you know what? We're done with this crap. So that said, what does that look like for you on a, cause you're a businessman you or business person, you know what this looks like, right? What does that, what does that mean? When you if we if we remove the word, what what do we replace it with?
1: <laughs> well, see, the thing is, well see the thing is what's happening is they're solving problems for the challenges that they have and they're and they're, they're in power so that they're using the laws and you know, writing is their constitution. And then the young people are like, Well, that's not even a problem for me. So this law that you've written, thanks, but you know, great. And like like gender's not even a problem anymore. It's like uh, you know, it's like, you know, someone walking into um the ER, um, you know, with a with a scrape on their leg, and then they're like, "Okay, well, we're going to amputate your leg." Well, okay, well, the scrape doesn't matter anymore because the leg's gone. So I mean, it's kind of extreme. <laughs> extreme. Um, I don't know. Wh- I don't know why my mind goes to that. <laughs> to right um But yeah, so a lot of these problems that are part of, you know, the struggle for gender equality and this, all of this stuff, yeah, it might be very valid right now but like let's mean you have this conversation hopefully and make sure that we're still alive in 10 years and <laughs> i'll be alive are you gonna be alive in 10 years yes i go? hope so Okay, I, hope okay.
0: So. I got two little kids
1: <laughs> right right okay so let's so have this conversation in 10 years is because in 10 years a lot can happen oh my god right? yes i mean yeah um i think that it might not be an I mean, it might be an issue, but it might not be the same issue. And so the laws that you're writing now and writings of the Constitution might have meaning right now. And I don't want to dismiss that at all, but who knows? Because, listen, the people that were sitting at lunch counters and have, and being spit on, you know, in Dr. King's um, day and the Civil Rights Movement, okay,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um those people survived that, and they had a story to tell, and they had a, it, but it also shaped the way they saw the world. Okay, but not only the people that were sitting at the lunch counter, but the people who were actually spitting on them, yeah, had, had a worldview as well. And those people ended up being the the doctors and the lawyers and the um, the high school principals and the assembly people. Okay, and we forget that those people that were not wanting integration and, you know, they didn't just disappear. They still like ran those cities. Right. Yep. But eventually they will not not be there anymore. And maybe their children are not like, you know, reborn liberals, but maybe they won't be as volatile to the point of wanting to lynch people and, you know, spit on them when they're walking down the street. So right. eventually we hope that we're evolving towards a place to a place where we love one another, where, you know, as Dr. King says, it's like, you know, you can you can make laws to restrain the heartless, but you can't ever make a law to make someone love another person. And right. also, you know, I believe it was um, you know, Jesus that said that, you know, um, you know, that you know, they they came to him and said, you know, what are the, you know, what's the most important law of Moses? And says, you know, the most important law was, you know, to love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the most important law. Like all of of those Ten Commandments, if you think back on them, if you actually love the other person, you won't do these things to them. So it's not about creating laws, more and more laws to restrain people because you can, you can only restrain people so much. It's about creating a culture that actually engenders and cultivates love for another person, no matter what they look like, no matter what they, anything. And once you have that, then, you know, do you really need more and more laws?
0: No, so you're right. So the, <laughs> and, that's, and, and, and I would just say that that's a, that's a, a hope for vision of our culture, yeah, right? So my question is at a pragmatic level, because I am cool with the gender fluidity thing. I have absolutely zero energy around it. I think it's great. Specifically, the young people I'm talking to agree. Yeah. My question is, what is it? what word do we replace it with? Because this is where, again, I've spent a lot of time with feminists and that literature over the last six months. They spent decades lobbying for this delineation so that females could experience a life equal to the patriarchy. Right, right, that's right. the piece. Right, and right. so if we remove genders and we remove consensus data and we have people that now are non-binary on passports and census data and uh, employment data, like all of this, that's real shit. Right, so right. like, what does that look like? How do we make sure that we're not discriminating against anyone, whether it's female or trans or binary folks? But the categorization, right, the naming structures. We, you know, this is a developer. I mean, how how important are naming structures, right? So like, what does that look like? That's my question to you because you're obviously a highly educated, intelligent person. That's for me where the right has some very valid objections. Not specifically the, the stuff that they're going at as far as the religious, God said you can't be gay, you know, that's all nonsense. But when they say things like, hey, how do we categorize things? How do we use census data? How do we make sure we don't have trans?" females in female prisons harming actual natal females right like those are big big discussions that i'm seeing go back and forth and that's why i use the rwanda example because i just happened to be watching it over the weekend and the, the terminology is there right it's not just america that's dealing with this so that was my question to you as an intellectual like what does that look like how do we how do we categorize the differences between males and females for the protection of females because men are not a problem right
1: you're saying so here's here here's another example of where i think people get caught up in the weeds of the details of what the result's going to be and then after a while then then the intention is gone okay? okay so if the intention is to protect every single human being and for right now if the categories make sense to make sure that we say, man, woman, trans, non-binary. We haven't created a perfect system that solves every problem, but we have created fairness for now and equity for now. And so when it needs to evolve, let's be open to it evolving more. Maybe it evolves to a point where you don't need those terms anymore. Maybe it doesn't, but Fighting over what the result's going to be, while while someone over here is actually suffering, you Correct. know, to me that is that comes out of an intent of wanting to be right and not
0: out of love. Oh no, no question, and and I and I agree with you 100 on the love quotient there, because I think that if you lead with love, everything's easy. All right,
1: you'll find an answer that actually makes sense for now, and I think that that's the other thing. I'm a big fan of um of um Eckhart Tolle the power of Me now too. and all of that. I love him. And a lot of the problems that we end up experiencing are because we're projecting too far into the future. So what makes sense yeah. right now for those communities? Does it make sense? It, it, maybe it does make sense for to say the word gender and to use man, woman in Rwanda for right now. And, right. you know, I'm not saying that we, that we sh- you know, shut out the trans community or non-binary community, uh, but for right now in their community, this is what makes sense for them.
0: Well, I agree. And that's actually where I think that the separate legislation has to take place to protect trans people. That's my thing. And I don't think we can lump everyone in together. It's too, it's too big. And so that, that for me is the big problem is that it's the, and as you know, we, in advertising, we, we have reverence for words, right? That's, I've spent my last 20 years selling ad campaigns. And, and the idea there is that words matter. And that's for me where I'm trying to figure out what's the replacement Because I'm cool on the gender side. I just, those are the kind of things that, you know, we're trying to report on and trying to understand better. And, you know, True 30's mission is to have people understand one another without agreement. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Right? Agreement's not that important to me. I think if you really understand someone else, you don't have to agree. You can still hug it out and say, all right, that's good. I love you. I appreciate you. Uh, I don't agree, but we're good. I don't think you're a bad person. I don't think you should die. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's right. that's basically what's happening in our society. If you're wearing a red hat, you should die. And if you voted for Joe Biden, you should die. And you're like, come on, guys, let, let's get away from that. And that's the problem that we're seeing specifically with, and I would say this too, the mob in any category, whether it's liberal, trans, gay, bisexual, the mob is a bigger problem than the actual right. individual. <laughs> right? I mean, I've never had a discussion with a trans person that got cantankerous or weird individually just me sitting down and talking just like this it's never happened but when i watch stuff on you know trans stuff and you see trans people standing up on desks at the school spitting on the on the teacher or the person talking because they don't agree that trans females are women that's you're like okay you guys aren't helping yourself in the trans community by doing that and Anyone on the other side that say trans isn't a real thing, you're not helping anybody either. You're just being mean, right? So it's like somewhere in between that, that's where we have to just separate the wheat from the chaff, if you will. And the individual discussion seemed to be the most pronounced and the most productive. And that's why I wanted to bring you on the show today, B, because I, yeah. I've always respected you as a developer and a human being. And I saw how happy you were. And again, I didn't know all this. The, the terrible trauma you went through. So I'm glad you made it. <laughs> I'm glad you're still here with us.
1: <laughs> a story behind there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I no. I mean, that's that's it's tragic, but it, you know, the good news is you came out on the other side, and you you do beam happy. That's what the pictures look like to me. Is that you are, you are, and have found yourself, and you're expressing yourself in the way you want to now. And I wish you as much luck as anyone could have because you're a very good human game and I I just I want you to live with as much love as you possibly can with your family and your friends and your new community. And thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you, Joey. It's 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 uh, it's good to see a friend that um, I knew from a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, you keep on evolving, so you know, hats off to you as well because you know, people don't have to evolve. You can just you could have been in the same spot that you were. I don't know, sixteen years ago. And I think yeah. you. Um, are an example of cisgender, straight, white male <laughs> that um, <laughs> that is serious about um, becoming, um, you know, living outside of the box that you probably could have lived in for the rest of your life. Pretty comfortable, yeah. probably. It wouldn't have yeah. wouldn't have it would have been a lot of personal pain, but you could have. Everyone else would have thought you were having the time of your life, and so I think that your courage. Um, If there were more people like you, like you that had courage to evolve themselves and to be open to other ideas and be open to other people and to go out there looking for answers to questions, then it's not all it's not just about people like me having their freedom. I mean, yeah, I need my I need my but it's about people of all different um, um, walks of life, including you, um, you know finding themselves and understanding who they are because you know when i look at the suicide rates actually the highest suicide rate out there is among white males white cisgender mm-hmm. males, mostly straight kill themselves um at a higher rate than anyone else there's a lot of pain there yeah and i think that i'm not trying to say that you know you know they that they don't enjoy privilege, but there's a lot of pain behind there in the, in their lives that is unaddressed. And a lot of times they don't have to address it because they have so much power. Right. That doesn't mean the pain is still isn't there. And I think no. you probably are a person that understands that better than anyone.
0: Well, thanks dude. I appreciate it. And again, I, uh, we will stay in touch. We won't lose touch for 16 years again. And uh, I'm a <laughs> I'm, we I'm have date up.
1: 10 years from now to talk about one particular thing <laughs> yes. uh,
0: i'm not sure how to put that on my calendar but we'll find a way thanks for tuning in everyone if you dig what we're doing over here please subscribe and while you're at it please download an episode or two and leave a review i'd love to hear your thoughts until next time big hugs